WMQA. Hello and welcome to WMQA, the official podcast of the WMQ Comics website. I'm your host, Dan Grote. And I'm Matt Laswitz. And welcome to our trading card episode. Uh, we're going to spend the next hour and change taking stock of our card stock. And uh, joining us are two very special guests. Uh, first off, we didn't advertise this, but it is a Three Amigos episode. Please welcome back to the show our good friend, Rob Lynch. Good to be back. Good to be back. And making his WMQ debut is the mastermind behind a fan-based trading card set called The Collection. Uh, don't know if you could hear the uppercase X in there, but it's there. Uh, Scott Madrinsky, thanks for being here, Scott. Uh, thanks a lot for having me, guys. And I have to give you a lot of credit for pr- pronouncing my last name correctly. I put it in <laughs> phonetically. <laughs> yeah. You have a me in the middle of your name. You know it's trouble. <laughs> oh, yeah. You, your priest is the same. L-A-Z-O-R. That Z doesn't get pronounced. It's the R. Sorry. The Z is there. The R is not pronounced. So it's, it's Lazowitz, but everybody, you know, is trying for Laserwitz, Lazorowitz. I understand. Yeah, so you feel my pain. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Scott. Let's 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 start off by talking about the collection. You basically art directed uh, your your own set of of, of fan made X Men trading cards. Uh, what is the origin of this project? Yeah, um, it it all started on Twitter, as most wonderful ideas do. Um, a handful of, of other artists that I am familiar with that I know that I interact with from the X Twitter community, Adam Reck. <laughs> Uh, Karen Charm, Kevin Newburn. You know, we were just shooting the shit one day, and uh, this is back in October. And I said, you know, how cool would it be if they, they just came back, they came out with like a new set of, of X-Men cards, not even realizing that I guess even just a year ago, there was a big Fleer set that came out. It was like 150 cards or so. And, uh, you know, and, and you know, we're all kind of bantering back and forth, and one thing led to another, and I really backed myself into a corner where it was like, well, I've been talking so much trash about this. Now it's got to happen. <laughs> and I, you know, I just had that, like, that energy, that momentum. It just kind of just filled me in the moment. And I said, well, let's do it. So I just put out a call, you know, right there on Twitter. Everyone just kind of signal boosted it. And the next thing you know, I've got over two dozen artists in my hands. And people are contributing cards. And one thing led to another. And here we are. And the cards, physical cards, are coming soon, hopefully by the end of the month. Oh, that's great. That's fantastic. I just uh, sent the samples over on Friday to a new printer. Obviously, coronavirus has kind of screwed things up left and right. Mm-hmm. But uh, the sam- I'm, I'm waiting to get samples back. Hopefully, it'll be sometime this week. I've got two different paper stocks that I, I want to see. I'm super anal about stuff like this. So I, I got to check it out first. And then I'll, I'll go based off that. And then we're going to do a limited run. I'm thinking 50 sets should be enough for everybody who wants them. It's all coming out of pocket for me, which I don't mind. Um, but I think, cause I think it'll all come back, you know, and uh, we're actually gonna sell these for charity. Uh, I haven't narrowed down what it's gonna be, but all the profits are gonna go to a charity. I, I've sent out a poll, like, uh, you know, a survey to the artist to see what everyone thinks. I've gotten some good ideas coming back in and, uh, you know, with everything going on in the world today, too, there's a lot more charities that are being highlighted and spotlighted. So we're going to figure something out. But, you know, this is all not for profit. It's all been from day one for love of the game. And I actually feel better that everyone is on board with the charity move because it makes life a lot easier for me rather than splitting this 25 different ways or whatever it may be, you know? Sure. And, and obviously, you know, there's a little bit of IP infringement, obviously, going on. So I feel like that's left with the, uh, the charity aspect as well. So I think it's a good deed, and I'm real happy with how this came out. Everyone's done a real kick-ass job. That's uh, that that's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Um, you know, in terms of of you know the artists getting involved, was it basically like you didn't even have to go hunting because your inbox got flooded, uh, you know, what was that process like? You know, you've got all these people who've expressed interest in everything, you know, uh, I guess examining portfolios or, or what kind of went into, you know, the, I guess the selection process there. So like I said, it was initially it was just a few tweets and, you know, I don't have a big following on Twitter, but, uh, you know, like I said, Adam Reck, he's uh, another uh, podcaster, you know, Battle of the Adam, kind of a big show. Uh, so he's got people in that realm, 
And I think between him and Karen Charm, who's a phenomenal artist, she's got a, a great following too. Between those guys just shifting it out, there, put it, putting it out there, uh, you know, I got a lot of feedback and some great artists came in. And then another uh, friend of mine, Dave Shevlin, who's also a really active Twitter guy. I don't know if you guys know him, but uh, at least digitally. Uh, he was like, well, let's get this guy or let's get this girl. Like, you know, this one's really good. Let's try this. And I was like, buddy, put out the word. Let's see what we get. <laughs> kind of put out there. A lot of people were super receptive. I, I really think as far as fishing, there wasn't a lot of it, but there were a couple people that I did actively seek out. And I want to say only two declined um, for whatever reason. And obviously that's fine. But, uh, you know, it was a great crew. And then as we were going, you know, uh, a few people sort of flaked out or it seemed like they were going to flake out. So I was like, let me, um, what's the word? I guess, I guess, let me fill that gap. Let me fill that void that these people are leaving. And I found a few more people in the middle of the project, just, you know, through Google searches. And like you said, looking through portfolios and just, just hunting for artists online. And, uh, you know, it was good, really great reception. And, and so we got a few more people. And then even at the very tail end, I was like, let's just add a couple more. Why not? And, uh, it, it turned out great. Like I'm really happy with how it looks. We got like a wide variety of artists, so it, it's pretty cool. Yeah, and and a wide variety of sort of of, of media too in there. Yeah. Um, you've got a couple of cards in the set yourself. Um, you know, did you kind of give every every other artist their like first dibs, or did you go in and you know from the beginning and say I want to do this Trevor Fitzroy card? Well, I knew no one else was taking Trevor Fitzroy, so that was. <laughs> No, no one else loves Trevor Fitzroy the way I love Trevor Fitzroy. I have a reaction figure that had, so you know how most figures they have the one arm that's the hand is like the open palm, mm -hmm. and then the other one might be like the closed fist. My sure. had, had two open palms, so one of the arms was backwards. So <laughs> it was really weird. It was just like this weird manufacturing defect. So he could always do like this weird kind of chokehold on people. He could just grab people with two open arms. I loved Fitzroy in that class armor. That was my wheelhouse. But uh, yeah, everyone, um, what I did was I was like, let me see who's on board. And initially it was about 24 people, 20, 20, somewhere between 20 and 24. And then, like I said, the numbers rose as we went along. A couple of people dropped out, a couple of people came on. But uh, I said, once I have everybody, I want everyone to submit a list of between five and 10 characters, let's say, of who you would like to do ideally. And I'm going to try to get everybody at least one, if not both, of their characters. Because the, the initial deal was, let's see if we could do everybody do two cards. Not mandatory, but let's see you know, how that works out. So most people did two. I think we have a couple who only did one. A handful have done three. Um, and uh, uh, you know, I think everybody got what they wanted, which was even better. Like Nobody was like, it was not a chore for anybody, I hope. Mm-hmm. And then you had a couple of, of other people working on the actual copy on the you know the backs of the cards too, right? Yeah, that's right. So this was a real moving target. Um, so while the art was coming in, I kind of just put it aside. You know, like I said, this, this all kind of started in October, so it's around Halloween that I've got the final crew. Okay. And now we're moving forward. I really didn't expect to see any work until after the new year. I was like, look, Christmas is coming up. The holidays are here. Everyone's a working artist. I figure people have commissions. They've got other jobs they want to wrap up. So I'm thinking this is going to be on the back burner until 2020. And it was before Thanksgiving. And I'm seeing my Twitter mentions blowing up. Uh, I've got Ryan Barr who's coming in. I'm sorry, Mike Becker, not, not Ryan Becker. And then Ryan Barr comes in with Cyclops and Jean Grey. Twitter is blowing up during Thanksgiving. Like the artwork is flowing in. And I'm like, oh, shit, this stuff is good. Like I really gotta do this right on the back, like, and I cannot screw up this, screw this design up. Like this is really good. I have to do service to these people. So it was a moving target. We it was originally going to be bios, you know, the regular stuff you see. And I'm like, how do you condense 40 years, 50 years of storm into a little paragraph? Yeah, that quite a diehard audience audience already knows all this stuff. Who cares? It's not. It's not adding any value to this. So we were doing all this, and I want to say it was the middle of January where I scrapped it. I said, guys, I had Trent Seeley working on this, great writer. Mm -hmm. uh, Austin Gordon, great writer. 
uh, and Dave Shevlin, too. All three of these guys and myself, we were all compiling a back. I go, guys, we're scrapping all of this. We're going to start all over. So mid-January, we, we got rid of the bios altogether. I go, let's do reading lists. Not necessarily the best stories, but let's just pick five stories that just stand out for whatever reason. And let's just get them in there. And we're going to do trivia, because tri- trivia was the coolest thing about Marvel Series 2. Yeah. Uh, it was so fun. Even the first series of X-Cards, I think, had the extra fact. Mm. And extraneous information is what it ultimately became. Um, we had that, and then I, I said, you know what? The quotes were something that I love from Marvel Series 3. So I was like, we're going to put quotes on there, too. And I think it was Austin. It was like, I don't know how you're going to fit all this on a card. And I was like, oh, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. And, you know, we'll figure it out. And I, I think it came out really cool. And I think it's something different and unique. And I think that, you know, a handful of fans who are going to be able to get their hands on these are really going to like what they see. Did you have a particular favorite bit of that trivia? Because I was, as I was reading the cards, I was like, oh, that's cool. I loved the bit on the back of the Fitzroy about the Michael Golden art from Bishop the, the Last X Men. I'm like, I didn't know that. And why would you waste Michael Golden like that? <laughs> <laughs> they really did waste Michael Golden. And I had to triple check that. That's actually from the, uh, the X Men Archive sketchbook, I think is what it's called. And. So, I mean, that's as official as it gets. That's a Marvel, a Marvel publication. So, I'm like, yeah, you really did waste Michael Golden on this. Like, congratulations. <laughs> um, but a favorite one? I don't know. Uh, you know, anytime that Chris Claremont speaks, you listen. Mm-hmm. So, there was a few that I used from him on a, a Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men podcast. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he, he was great. Honestly, Christina Strain was on the Battle of the Atom podcast, and yeah. she had a couple that came up here and there because, you know, Bling, for example, doesn't have a huge history in terms of publication, so it's tough to find reading issues. And honestly, even in trivia and stuff like that, because, you know, there's just not a lot of history there. And I think that's a wonderful character, especially it's 2020. Here's a black lesbian character. This is someone who should be the forefront of X-Men. She's already got that built-in appeal of, of the stuff that they're looking for, that you know Marvel's looking for diverse characters. You already have them. They're here. Use them. Um, but uh, like I said, Christina Strain had some great quotes that we use, I think, for Bling, maybe for Quentin Quire, too, or Jubilee. Nature uh, Girl. Yeah, but Wasn't it for Nature Girl? Uh, Nature Girl might have been it. Yeah, that might have been it as well. Yeah, yeah, it might have been Nature Girl, yeah. But we use her a few times. So, so I mean, there's... A wealth of, of information there, so that was a good one too. Um, in terms of the cards themselves, you know, there's there's a few kind of clear influences that you know going into them. You know, right away you see Tom Muller's, uh, you know, Hox Pox design and and you know sort of fonts, uh, and of course the the whole idea is a throwback to to the '90s and the old Marvel and X Men trading card sets. You know, what what other kind of influences are in that mix? Uh, it was really just that, like it, like you said. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. It was, uh, you know, Muller with the uh, I call it the Hickman aesthetic. But yeah, Tom Muller is the guy who deserves the credit for that. He's the designer. Um, so you know, the the sterile, the black and the white. Because again, very disparate styles here. I mean, I've got wood burners here. A pyrographist, I think, is the proper term, uh, if I could say it. Um, you know, mixed in with digital artists, you got a couple of painters, you know, some just pen and ink, regular, you know, pen and ink stuff. Wildly different styles. Like, how do you unify this? So I knew it had to be something simple. And then there it was, staring right in front of me on the page, you know, in current X-Men issues. I was like, this is it. It's going to be Helvetica font. It's going to be this very simple black and white, you know, predominantly white. Let, let that just be plain. And let it'll tie everything together while letting the art kind of pop a little more, I think. So it was that, and then also just a little bit of that Jim Lee look. You have the X in the bottom corner. That's a very Jim Lee, Impel, 1991, or whatever it was, X-Men Series 1 vibe to it. And I just really wanted to combine those two things. And, uh, you know, I, like I said, I'm very happy with how these came out. I'm, I'm real, And I'm honestly someone who hates my work the second it's done. I'm like, this is shit. There's five minutes of euphoria, and I'm like, this is garbage now. It's over. <laughs> I'm real happy with how these cards came out, and, and, and I hope people are too when they see them. And the response has been pretty good from what I've seen online so far. No, it definitely has. Um, yeah. Are, 
are there any characters that you wish could have gotten in that just didn't make the cut, you know, because an artist didn't want to do them or, you know, there just wasn't room for them for him? Uh, yeah, I, uh, we had a legion that I just it wasn't up to snuff with some of the other ones. So that one I had to let go. And then there was Colossus and Magic and Dazzler were all on the original list. And the artist, for whatever reason, just never got to them. It was a couple different artists there. So, you know, I guess that's nice, though, because those are all A-list characters as far as I'm concerned, which gives mm-hmm. plenty of fodder for a series, too. But uh, you've got another project that you're working on uh, for the future. I believe it's called Ice Cream Social, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's smaller in scale, but... um. So, again, starting off with the X-Men thing, it was just kind of like, I really wanted to get artists together, really is the end the end goal here. Let's get some artists together. Let's get them out there. Let's have people see their work. And Ice Cream Social is going to be that as well. Um, so it's just, uh, you know, theme is ice cream. So I have artists, of, again, different mediums, very similar to the X-Men thing, submitting different works related to ice cream, ice cream trucks, you know, um, and then it's just a, a little Q and A, you know, building building our website. It's a socially distant art show, essentially, and uh, we're gonna drop that July third. You know, perfect timing, I think, Fourth of July weekend, and uh, you know, we're gonna see again some more cool art from artists, and you're gonna see a little behind the scenes into their process, their backgrounds, their interests. Some of these interviews that I've already done are really, really wild. I mean, we've got one guy who was actually uh, on an ice cream truck and. That to me is like the coolest story. It's it's just so perfect. Just the stories of ice cream truck rivalries, of territory rivalries, like between different ice cream trucks feuding with each other. I, like, how do you beat that? That I'm like, I said to myself, I'm like, this is kismet. This was meant to be. It was a perfect moment. Stay off the west side. Yo, <laughs> <laughs> Cookie, I'm scared of you. Uh, I'll give you. As a spoiler, the answer to that is when a rogue ice cream truck comes into a territory, mm-hmm. all of the other trucks that are in the same fleet, because apparently they have fleets like this, they'll all kind of surround him and starve him out and force him to leave the territory and not come back. And they'll lose business that day, wasting their time doing this, but they say it's worth their time to get that guy out of town. How is this not already a Netflix series? <laughs> yeah. Never mind that Rockstar Games. Where are you? You're missing <laughs> Ice Cream Tycoon. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh man! But let's yeah, let's dive into Act Two of this uh, three act play here. Uh, I thought it'd be just a good time, kind of talk about some of you know we're all collectors here. Some of our favorite trading card sets over over the years. Uh, Rob, right before we started recording, uh, you texted me. Uh, your your bed is full of trading cards right now. Basically, <laughs> why don't why don't we start with you? <laughs> uh, sorted and unsorted. Um, I kind of go back to when uh, the late eighties, when you had that big boom in the baseball card industry, and uh, mm-hmm. the big name of that was uh, Jose Canseco. Uh, actually, I've got him right here. <laughs> not the not the big. Uh, Don Ross rookie card, but uh, but no, like a lot of other people, you know, I mean, I got into the hobby. Um, it was a lot of fun collecting and kind of saw it crash out when you had uh, Upper Deck mm-hmm. come out. And it's kind of interesting to see the way comics kind of went a few years later where, you know, you had, you know, your Jose Canseco and your Mark McGuire, and then you had your Todd McFarlane's and your Rob Liefeld's, you know, you had basically these, these giant larger than life personalities that kind of dominated the business and but uh no in terms of, of favorite cards i mean uh i think like everybody else you know those you know first impel marvel series i mean that just so clean and colorful and, and, and gorgeous and another thing at the time i mean if you know you were like haunting you know comic shops there was a company called comic images that would release you know basically like art reprints you know there was like mcfarland sets and jim lee sets and punisher sets and things like that but it was all you know covers and splash pages and you know annual pinups and things like that the thing that impel did brilliantly was that it was all original art it was all new it was you know great information on the back i mean they basically made them just like a sports card 
and I thought that was that was brilliant. Matt, how about you, buddy? <laughs> I am surrounded by binders as we speak, and I mean, it's interesting. I am a DC guy, but DC never quite hit it the way Marvel did, and that's partially because of what the downfall of all things good licensing rights because DC started trying to do comic book based trading cards probably a a year or so after Marvel, but they had already sold the license for their biggest character, Batman to tops to do uh, cards based on the Burton movies. So DC had to do these sets where you can't mention Batman. <laughs> so you could have Nightwing, but Nightwing was ori- originally the younger half of a famous crime-fighting duo without actually saying the name of that other half of that duo. It's something like mentioned, like he left, like he left his dark mentor behind or something. Yeah. <laughs> yes, there were things like that. Or when the, DC, the first DC set had three card little you know mini panels about legendary DC events and if Batman was a big part of it you just avoided mentioning Batman in that event so it's like Cosmic Odyssey the Jim Starlin Mike Mignola dark side story where Batman is a very big part that part of the story just kind of gets completely ignored um, but I I mean I loved those early Marvel series. I mean, I've got all all of them here. Um, and it's what gets me, and it kills me, there aren't art credits on the, at least yes. the first yeah. first series. I think the first two don't have artist credits. It's not until later. And that's a shame, because I mean, a lot of the art, it's like, okay, well, that's obviously um, an Art Adams kitty. That's obviously a John Byrne Wolverine but you look at some of the others and it's like I'd love to know who drew that version of the Kingpin it becomes a little easier by the third series because then Marvel was really using the major artists at the time but those first couple of sets have some really nice art but some of it is very house style and I'd be curious to know like you know it's like that might be a Ramita, but I'm not sure. Like, uh, yeah, anybody that I question on, it's like, I just assume that it's Mark Bagley. And that, like, those yeah. first <laughs> I, I also have a real soft spot, and this is one of those because of personal memory things, for a set of X-Men cards from 96... They're the Kubert brothers doing the entire set. They're chromium. Uh, I got, they came out in probably, I guess, late September, early October, because for my birthday that year, I got a box of packs. And my birthday was a Friday, and I was sitting and I was opening packs and watching the X Files. And you could not have gotten a happier just turned 15 year old than a big box of x-men cards and clyde bruckman's final repose that's not a bad way to spend a, a friday night in uh, 1996 no i mean i didn't get clyde bruckman's final repose until years later but i remember thinking it was funny the the best part of this set is that the at the back they have the x-men dressed up for halloween each x you know there's 10 cards of different x-men in Halloween costumes and Cyclops is Elvis, which is just perfect because only somebody as wonderfully square as Scott would think in the nineties dressing as Elvis was the cool thing to do. (laughs) It absolutely gets my favorite X-Man in a perfect way. The, the other great thing was the chase cards were, Age of Apocalypse and regular Marvel Universe versions of characters. So Ooh. Chase Card 1 was Regular Beast, Chase Card 2 was Dark Beast, and they were in the same pose, so you could sort of flip back and forth, uh, especially cool after listening to the 
episode of Jay and Miles Explain the X-Men that dropped today. You do have Forge and Age of Apocalypse uh, Actor Forge, both mm-hmm. wielding really big guns. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember him doing that in the Age of Apocalypse, but hey, you know, he's Forge. He can make a big gun out of anything. Uh, Scott, how about you? Favorite uh, I, I sets there? Those cards that you're talking about right now, those Kubert Chromium cards, that was my last hurrah of trading cards. I also love that set. For Christmas, uh, my uncle got me a, a full set. So I was a little hurt by not having that joy of opening packs because, I mean, that's half the fun right there is, what did I get? Oh, versus, oh, here's one of everything, which was, I mean, don't get me wrong, to this day, it's the only card set that I have every single card. My caveat with that is, the Lalandra card is a Kuber autograph, because there were additional cards, not a real one, I think they were they were printed onto the card, but so some of them had their autographs on them, like I think you might get one per set, so I have all of them are the straight set, but the Lalandra one is the Kuber variant autograph card, and I'm like, well, I don't really have the full set now. That's always bothered me to this day. But yeah, I love those cards. Um, my introduction, I mean, like Rob said, I'm also a baseball card guy. Uh, I'm not even a baseball fan now, but I was in the late 80s, early 90s, because every sure. kid loves Jose Canseco. And I yeah. everything that I echo. Um, I remember getting those Donruss cards with the red border uh, at the grocery store every week. I'd go shopping with my mom. I could get a pack or two. And then after that, there was a, there were car. I don't remember who made them, but there was a, a yellow border. It was a thicker yellow border with a very simple serif font of the the player's name across the top. I'm gonna have to look that up now. But uh, maybe that was tops. And tops had like some colorful cards. I remember the wooden border was another one from the late '80s. I want to say like '87, yeah. give or take around there. '87. <laughs> the logos were so awesome. The old White Sox logo. I mean, this is stuff that I love, and I look at this stuff now, and, and, and you know, you said, you know, break your cards out. I have my my binder of, of Marvel cards, and even just looking at these Series 2 cards, I remember being at my cousin's house when we were first opening these packs up. The Series 3 cards, I remember getting six packs of these at the Christmas holiday grab bag at school where all the kids exchanged gifts. I had gotten, like, a uh, to give, do you guys remember Sketch? It was like a, uh, uh, there were like these two cylinders, like these two discs, and there were Velcro on them. And and it came with a, a pink and green Velcro tennis ball. That oh, would okay. Two mm-hmm. things. That's what I got, and I gave it to someone else or whatever, as like the mystery grab bag, and I got these trading cards, and I was like, what a win! What a win! <laughs> I got the Ghost Rider Chase uh, hologram card, it was pink. Uh, I was so excited. That was a good day. So I mean, I looked through stuff. It just so many awesome memories. It's just so amazing to think about these silly cards. Just bring so much joy, and uh, I, I just can't describe it. You know, it, it's just an awesome feeling. And and honestly, I was joking earlier on Twitter when we were talking about this. I said I'll, I'll throw my hat in for Marvel Series Four since no one else cares about that. I'm looking at these <laughs> Series Four cards now. They're the ones where when you put them all together in the binder and in the a nine sheet that forms a picture. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. These are great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> These are legitimately great. I think I got my Series 4 right here, actually. <laughs> yep, mine too. I remember the last card I needed, because I did finally get a full set of those at the time, but the last card I needed was my favorite Marvel character, Adam Warlock. I got everybody else, and I could not friggin' find an Adam Warlock. I wound up buying him as a single at a comic shop for practically... <laughs> I remember that I was like, that's how much a pack costs, but I need the last card! <laughs> Uh, I will say, yeah, before we were recording, Matt was talking about how, you know, looking through some of these old Marvel series sets, you'd be like, you know, how did this guy get a card? And so I've opened <laughs> up to like a random two pages in my series four, and there's a, a nine sheet for like Marvel UK characters, you know, of which, of um, course, I only know Death's Head. <laughs> uh, like Plasm? <laughs> oh, we, we got Black Axe. We got the Techno Wizards. We got uh, Motormouth. Oh. <laughs> uh, I remember Motormouth uh, Motormouth showed up in the Hulk Peter David did a, a two issue guest shot with Motormouth and her partner whose name I don't remember but th- aside from them yeah that is and Death's Head 
Yeah, there, there ain't much there. But I, I was looking, like, you go, there's a, a one page that is <laughs> Midnight Suns characters, and it's like, okay, mm. you know, you got Ghost Rider, you got Morbius, you got the Night Stalkers, there's Johnny Blaze. Heart Attack? Basilisk? Yeah, Basilisk is the center square. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, who, where did the, boy, people, they were really banking on Basilisk being, you know, the, the character find of 1995. <laughs> he Wait, was Oh, this isn't the same basilisk that got killed by the scourge, is it? I don't think so. This, I think, is a a weird supernatural because these were all characters that were showing up in the Midnight Suns books at the time. It, that's so. one of those names Marvel likes to reuse. I think. Like that's yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, but go ahead, Scott. Yeah. So I have a question. As far as collecting cards go, do you when you put them in the binder, do you have nine on one side, and do you use the back, or is the back empty so you can see the card backs Ooh, okay uh i've 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 got them yeah i've got i've got the fr- i've got them uh you know double uh double page so you know fronts on both sides yeah fronts only i it it varies i think at the time like i look at the old marvel sets and i have them singled because I think at the time these were sort of there was no Wikipedia, so if there was a character that I was like, I think I need to know who this guy is because he's appearing in a comic. I wanted to be able to quickly flip through the pages and read the the back. But the ones that I just put in pages that I you know put, took out of boxes and put in pages this week, yeah, no, those are back to back because I wanted I don't want to have to buy more pages. I don't like anything that has any kind of like data or anything like really readable on the back. I'll do it single, but. Like, I have a lot of, like, in the 90s, like, they did, like, the heavy metal art sets and Vincent DeFate and, you know, uh, Richard Corbin and things like that. Those I'll do back-to-back because there's really nothing, on you know, readable on the back, so. You don't need to know their power levels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, I, I kind of keyed in on, on three sets when I was kind of thinking of, like, I guess the ones that were most formative in my collecting. Two of them I don't have anymore. Uh, in terms of like the Marvel stuff, I'm actually going to go series three because I think those are the first packs that I was buying with my own money. Mm. So, you know, and also, I mean, I love the, the, you know, they got, they got those cosmic backgrounds on them and, you know, I, I think I was reading like infinity gauntlet and war and stuff at the time. So that made, that made sense. Uh, you know, and they were another one, they weren't necessarily like with series four, obviously, you know, they, they were made to look like they're in a nine sheet, but with series three, you could put them together that way. And the backgrounds would kind of sync up, but it wasn't necessarily, you know, I don't think it enhanced your, your enjoyment of the set at all, but still, still a quality set. Um, you mentioned the, the, the 1987 top set with the wood panel backgrounds. I'm pretty sure those are the first trading cards that I ever collected. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's always also, I think for whatever reason, I've always been a sucker for that, like fake wood paneling. When I was like a teenager, (laughs) I wanted to drive like a beat up old station wagon for that same reason. Never got it, but that's okay. You know, some dreams were meant to die. Um, (laughs) And then uh, the other set, uh, also a sports set, the 91-92 Fleer NBA set. Um, You know, I obviously a bit of bandwagoning because that's, you know, the year of the dream team uh, and everything, but also just, you know, watching the last dance, uh, which I still have to finish, but you know, it was like, Oh wait, I remember a lot of these players that aren't Michael Jordan. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I know more of the 1990 uh, Detroit Pistons bad boys than uh, I was going to give myself credit for. That's amazing. (laughs) You know, that brings up a good point about, you know, the whole, like, trading card scene. You know, back in the day, I mean, it was a great way to learn about the sport. It was a great way to, like, you know, get to know the different players and everything. And, you know, especially like, for the early 90s, for somebody who maybe isn't that familiar with the comics, and you know, they see these packs up by the register and they buy them. They're going to see characters that they've never seen before, and maybe yeah. they'll get interested in some other books. You know, it's, it's, it's a great primer for, you know, getting into things and... I think that's that's kind of missing today. I mean, I know Wikipedia and things are more convenient, but now trading cards were definitely there. They were a gateway drug for comics reading in that in that period. The same way that the X Men cartoon was, the same way Batman the animated series and Tim and the Tim Burton movies mm-hmm. were. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, we were a few episodes ago, uh, we had Christy Edelman on talking about Kate Pride. And my earliest exposures outside of a couple of, you know, random episodes of cartoons to Kate, Kitty, were the cards. Since she wasn't appearing in the regular X books, she was in Excalibur, which was. You know, in the early 90s, really off to the side. So I didn't know that character except from the cards. A lot of Excalibur were characters that were like, oh, yeah, I remember seeing them in Pride of the X-Men. But <laughs> now that they're now that I'm reading mm-hmm. the comics, they aren't showing up. But, oh, here they are. And then like Megan, it, like you know, unless you read Captain Britain, in the, you lived in the UK in the 80s or <laughs> you were an X-Fan and picked up Excalibur. You have no idea who Megan is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Actually, Captain Britain was early on a big favorite character of mine because I saw his. I thought his design was awesome when I saw it on Marvel Series One trading cards. Like, oh, this guy's so cool. I'm like, I've never been to England. I'm not British, and I'm that's the one. Mm-hmm. And I'm choosing Captain Britain as my guy over Captain America. I'm bad. Yeah, no, I think I have a soft spot for Sinister for the same reason. He shows up in those early trading cards, and he looks badass. Mm-hmm. And then he started showing up in the comics, and he's all snarky and mysterious. And it's like, it's even better now that I, you know, actually know who the character is, but he looks real cool. Mm-hmm. It's the cape. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's definitely the cape. <laughs> oh, oh man. By Marvel Series One because there were not one, not two, but three Wolverine cards, and one of them he is distinctly green and hairy. So I always thought that Wolverine—that was my first introduction to Wolverine. I thought he was this like hairy, evil Hulk guy. His eyes were red in the card. He just looks really angry. He's mean. He just looks like a bad dude. This is not a hero. I'm like, oh, this guy Wolverine. He's this evil, hairy, green guy. That was the Madripoor card, wasn't it? The the patch card. I th- I th- yeah. That sounds right. Where he's got like the pantyhose across his head. <laughs> yeah, there there were a lot of ways to screw up people's impressions of Wolverine in that era between that and like his Australian accent on uh, the Pride of the X-Men pilot. <laughs> Crocky, it's Magneto! <laughs> um, so... A little a while back, uh, th- this kind of leads into the fun game segment of uh, this episode. A while, a while back, uh, Rob, for my birthday, got me a pack of Save by the Bell, the College Years <laughs> trading cards. Sure. <laughs> yeah. No. It, listen, it was. Uh, it absolutely was. And for uh, a while, when Matt and I were would bring our the podcast to cons and we'd talk to creators there, we would uh, uh, invite them to take a card from the, the deck. <laughs> um, except for the Professor Lasky card. That one stays with me. <laughs> He's in a hospital bed. But anyway, um, so we started running low on those cards and Matt was like, all right, let me pick up some more random decks and see what, you know, it, so we can kind of keep this going. And then 2020 happened, obviously. But I still have the packs. And so I have these four unopened packs of cards. I have a deck of Magnum PI trading cards. I have a pack of uh, ALF trading cards. And I ha- I've got a pack of Dick Tracy trading cards. Theoretically, it's the movie. We'll find out. Uh, and then uh, there's a pack of laughs trading cards. These are trading cards for the ABC TGIF uh, sitcom lineup from like the early 90s. So maybe there's an Ur- Urkel rookie card in here. I don't know. Uh, the point is none of these packs have been opened uh, until now. I thought it would be fun to kind of just go through them on the show and, and I'll post some pictures uh, on the site along with this episode so y'all can uh, live the magic I'm starting with Alf we'll, we'll, go, we'll go alphabetically alphabetically uh, see. <laughs> yeah I kill me revolutionary war hologram that's the chase that's the chase card <laughs> alright so here we go <laughs> We, we got we got Alf playing uh, Bullia baseball because uh, you know he was nothing if not a uh, Catskills uh, comedian because you know. noted, noted sportsman as well being you know <laughs> a puppet 
<laughs> I thought he well, was listen, more of a you know, Rob and I were talking about this yesterday. One of those upper decks uh, uh, sets that I remember fondly, there was like a Looney Tunes playing baseball upper deck set. <laughs> yeah. Um, here we go. This one. This one's actually a, a sticker card. Oh. But on the back, it looks like it's a piece of a full poster. So straight Tops. ripping off Garbage Pail Kids. <laughs> Tops did that for a lot of sets. They did that for both of the Batman 89 sets. That the backs, the, the stickers, which there was one per pack, the backs formed a, a tableau image. One of Batman and one of Joker. <laughs> uh, this one just says, I think I left the cat in the dryer. <laughs> Couldn't get you know, away with that cats. today. That's an imitatable act. <laughs> um, I don't know if these are supposed to like. That's the thing. Like, I don't know if these are supposed to be like episode titles. Like, here's just a picture of Alf, and it says, "Brother, can you spare a cat?" <laughs> like after a certain point, it just goes full Garfield. <laughs> Mondays. <laughs> exactly. Uh, here, here's here's one that's just a panel from the show with a word balloon on it that says, when you're like me, finding hair in your food is an occupational hazard. <laughs> uh, classic. Okay, so there's, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. There's like six, yeah, there's six cards in this pack. No no gum, no stale gum. Uh, yet. Yeah, yes, yet is correct. Because my friend... Uh, Mr. Thomas Magnum is packing pink heat. <laughs> 40, 40 year old pink heat. Uh, guys, this, well, first of all, this deck is stuck together. These cards are stuck together. <laughs> of course they are. But more to the point, the gum is stuck to the card. Oh boy. <laughs> oh, well, that's going to kill its value. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. If you weren't going to make the Roberto da Costa joke, I was. <laughs> is this Higgins? I, I don't know what Higgins Indeed, looks like. that is Higgins. Okay, well, he got, he got, he got a card. <laughs> uh, otherwise, it's it's mostly just, you know, Tom Selleck in, in different uh, mustachioed, uh, you know. Crusty poses for trading card photos. Yeah. <laughs> You know, classic daddy era Tom Selleck. <laughs> Let's see if I can find a good one here. It's a lot of him smiling. He smiles a lot <laughs> underneath that uh, underneath that push broom. Actually, you know, it's funny. His smiles get wider as the deck goes on. <laughs> so, so there is none of the uh, Magnum has uh, grinning <laughs> Vietnam PS PTSD flashback cards in that one. Okay. Good to know. Well, I mean, this one kind of, it's got the mood lighting of a guy who's about to have a nom flashback, but uh, <laughs> otherwise, no, uh, Tom Selleck is not dealing with his trauma the way he should be uh, in, in these cards. And, and, and you know what? Now that I, I, you've opened this, I'm inspired to see if they released a set for the movie Runaway. Are you guys familiar with that? It was a Tom Selleck sci-fi film. Yes! And this kind of goes back to what um, you were saying about nostalgia earlier. I mean, I, I feel kind of fortunate to grow up in a time where when you had a big event film, it meant that, you know, you were going to have the Mad Magazine parody. You were going to have the big Super Jumbo uh, clamshell VHS case at the video store. And you were going to have a Topps trading card set based on it, you know, in those beautiful wax packs. And mm -hmm. I mean, that, that's like a big point of nostalgia for me. I mean, I've got my... Uh, my dune set right here oh, wow. <laughs> I was, if anybody i knew would have a dune set it was going to be you Rob. <laughs> the uh the 79 alien set which i'm still kicking myself um i missed the uh the chiller theater expo a few years ago yafit koto was in attendance and i was going to actually have him sign his sticker <laughs> nice it's like every you know you had you know the crew of the nostromo and their portrait was inside of the alien egg with like this gnarly green you know border Beautiful stuff. <laughs> you had a uh, you had a similar story uh, with uh, Herb Trimp, if uh, I um, remember correctly. This one's kind of sad. Yeah, a few years ago, um, the three of us attended the East Coast Comic Con, and uh, I always bring you know a big uh, you know ba uh, swag bag to get signed, and 
one of the cards that I brought was uh, the, the new Fantastic Four rookie card, and I had our Adams sign. I left the um, in the first Marvel series they had the, uh, the MVPs, the most va- or the most valuable comics cards. They made one for uh, Hulk 181, and I was gonna have Herb Trimp sign it. I left it in the car, and I'm like, ah, you know what? I'll catch him next year. And you know, I got a couple books signed from him and everything. He passed away two days later. Yeah. Yeah. Herb Tripp was a good dude. Yeah. Oh, he was one of the best. Right, so what are we getting next, Dan? All right, we're in. We're into the Dick Tracy set here. This is uh, my it, okay. It is the movie. It's the movie set. Here we go. Um, so these are kind of set up like uh, like wanted posters. Ah. So here is Little Face, wanted for manslaughter. <laughs> He's a bad boy. Uh. Okay, yeah, here we go. We got a prune face right here. Yeah. <laughs> Look for the uh, for the quality here. Because really, they're just shots from the movie that they just put on a trading trading card, which is genius. Because you know people will pay for it. Here's Al Pacino yelling. That's always a Ooh. good time. <laughs> Academy Award nominee Al Pacino for yeah. he got nominated for that. He and he yells for pretty much the entire movie. I have I, I like that movie, but yeah, I love that movie. Oh yeah, it's a great movie. It's a star-studded affair. Face right off the bat, that to me, Bravo. Little Face is the MVP of that movie. I love that. I don't know why I love Little Face. Well, you know, Dan, I think we got to hang on to that one, and when you know we run into Scott at a con. Little face is for you, sir. There we go. There we go. That sounds good. I'll put it aside. All right. We got we got the blank. Oh, we got yep. the blank. I mean, that movie, the cast in that movie, and the number of it's like you, know, you, when you're a kid, you don't necessarily know who all those actors are and or recognize them easily from other things you would have seen, since so many of them are mm-hmm. under so much makeup. Mm-hmm. It's like, wait, how is that guy who's playing the piano in Nico Montoya? But he <laughs> is. Uh, you know, Kathy Bates is in that movie too. She's a stenographer. Really? Yeah. I gotta go. You know, I, I, it's been in my head that I need to rewatch that movie for a while now. That has sold me on, you know, figuring out where it is streaming and streaming it soon because. I thought I knew every random cameo, but no, we have a winner. That's what I mean. It gets every everyone is a deep cut and a great, great actor. Like, oh, this guy was here, there. It's, it's like you said, awesome movie. I love it. Those toys were incredible too because they fit right in with the turtle figures. Yes, they're both made by playmates. They're the same scale. I'm sorry, I'm derailing all this. I no, it's all good. No, <laughs> we love derail. That's half the fun of doing this show is the random asides from people. The number of times that a an episode has been derailed by me talking Terry Pratchett with somebody is... It, now, derailing you know is the reason our Halloween episode is going to be uh, a, a, a rewatch of Halloween 3 season of The Witch. <laughs> Rob, Mar- Rob, mark your calendar. <laughs> Was that it for Dick Tracy? Is that the end of the cards? Oh, uh, yeah, okay, you know, it, it's not, there's not a ton of winners in here. I mean, here's uh, one of Dick Tracy in a car with the kid and his uh, love interest. Um, I can't remember actors' names. That's right. one had <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Oh, so, Matt, you might get this one. Um, the guy who played Pruneface, he was um, um, like a B-movie character actor, R.J. Armstrong. Sure. Do you remember in the late 80s they did it was Friday the 13th, the series that had nothing to do with Jason on TV. It was about the cursed objects. Yes, I remember. And it was, like, it, it, it was like, like an evil uncle who, you know, had them cursed and he died and then his niece and nephew were trying over everything. That was the uncle. That was Uncle Lewis. Huh. <laughs> I, okay. God, <laughs> I, I remember the show. I remember that. I did not, did not put two and two together on that one. Huh. And he was in Predator. He was also uh, in the bookends in, in the original Predator too. Yes, that I remember. Yeah. So, so what we're Sorry, learning is Dick Tracy was like the Live Aid of. Uh, oh, it's uh, pulp I mean, action movies. Dustin Hoffman. Mumbles. Dustin Hoffman. Oh, yes. My God. Yeah, big boy did it. <laughs> Just holding a glass of water in front. Of him. 
All right, now we're getting into the good shit. I've opened up the laughs pack. <laughs> Top card, Larry and Balky nice. doing a M- Millie Vanilli riff. <laughs> it doesn't Larry. peel off, but guys, this is a time stamp. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go. Here's the cast of Family Matters in a card that's subtitled uh, Life with Urkel. No, wait. The daughter that went upstairs to never come back, is she in that cast picture there? Uh, yes, she is was. right next to Reginald Vell Johnson. Ah. Yes. <laughs> I, I couldn't get it. The, a couple weeks ago, there was a two-hour special on, I think it was CBS, about the life of Gary Marshall. And they're they're showing clips from all of the sitcoms, and they're showing a bit from the last episode of Happy Days. And, you know, there's Tom Bosley talking, and we raised two good children in this house. I'm like, so did the son who disappeared, does he not count as a good child? Or is it Richie or Joni that aren't the good child? Because there were three of them. He's he's the black sheep they try not to uh, talk about. He's like uh, uh, Leah Thompson's brother in the Back to the Future movies, Jailbird Joey. <laughs> I'm more thinking Hugo, Bart's evil twin from that episode. <laughs> they keep him locked in the attic, feeding him fish heads. Both work. All right, let's see. We we got another Larry and Balky. This 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 pack is riding heavy on Perfect Strangers. <laughs> I do not consider that is a feature, not a bug. Um, all right, we're back to family matters. We got we got Urkel uh, irking uh, Carl Winslow <laughs> and the grandmother, who I always loved. Yes. All right. Well, we got a full we got our full full house card here. We got we got Uncle Joey just being cool, wearing leather, sunglasses, <laughs> teaching teaching machine. Yeah. And uh, for our sixth and final card, making it fifty percent perfect strangers, uh, we got we got Larry Belke going for a ride, guys. I think all right. This was my favorite deck of of the four of them. Uh, how how about for you? Which did any of them speak to you personally, deep in your heart? I mean, I'm like I said, I'm Dick Tracy all the way. The fact that you pulled Little Face right off the bat, boom, big win. Uh, the only thing would have been better is we had some shoulders in there. I don't know if you guys remember shoulders. He had a green suit. I had his figure. He was great. The turtles beat the crap out of him at every turn. If, if they only had had a Steve the Tramp card in there, the action figure that eventually had to be pulled because it was deemed offensive, calling a, a homeless person a tramp. Oh. <laughs> Oh, about that. Um, you guys got me. Now I have to look up to see the entire cast of Dick Tracy to see who we've got here because I know that I'm missing some. I mean, was it Dick Van Dyke was the crooked DA? Was it, yes. Yeah, and it's like, Dick Van Dyke playing a bad guy? That doesn't happen. <laughs> William Forsythe one of the uh, villains. Uh the, the chief, the chief was somebody. It was an old character actor, I think. One of those guys who he's always, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, uh, Paul Sorvino as Lips Manless. That was yeah, obviously you know, William uh, William Forsythe was flat top. Yep. Yes, Another character actor. James Kahn? I don't even remember him in there. Oh, James Kahn. Oh. James Kahn as Fudd Spaldoni, a crime boss who refuses to submit to Caprice. Hmm. I think I'm going to pop this in the Blu-ray player tonight. <laughs> yeah. Also, Catherine O'Hara, similar role. Oh, wow. A female crime lord who, who does submit to Big Boy Al Caprice. Hmm. Yeah, this is an all-star cast, an all-star movie, an all-star trading card set. I don't know. 1990s golden child, as far as I'm concerned. This is the all-time winner of 1990. Oh, yeah. All right. Danny, Danny Elfman's score. I mean, you know, right on the heels of Batman. The McDonald's game. Do you guys remember the McDonald's game? There's a Dick Tracy game. It was like Monopoly scratch-off game, but with yes. six characters. I think you wow. have like three 
like like a wanted character. I, you know, I got a small fry one time, uh, but there was <laughs> a big pot, like a million dollar pot for that too. Kind of, kind of like the Monopoly game. Oh wow, I did not know that. Oh, and by the the chief who I was groping because I knew he was somebody. It was Charles Durning, a character oh. actor's character actor. Yep. Wow, that is something. Um, oh, and just so everybody knows, I'm not going to eat the Magnum gum. <laughs> yes, no, don't do that. <laughs> Comes with a free trading card. Uh, I want to say back in the 90s when I really got back into the Garbage Bell Kids and I was buying like some of the vintage packs, I did try like 10-year-old gum and it, it was well-preserved. I mean, it was just as good slash bad as it would have been back in 1986. So. <laughs> <laughs> Add another 20 years to that. No, but, uh, you know, Rob, it's a perfect transition because uh, your 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 Garbage Pail Kids collection is, is fairly large slash complete, correct? Uh, just about. I was showing Matt this uh, before we started. Um, the OG set that ran from uh, 85 up until about the end of 88, uh, it took me, you know, about 30 years, but it's virtually complete now. I mean, I'm missing like 20 odds from the... Uh, 15th series but yeah that, that was a, a lot of years of you know convention hunting and ebaying and all that fun stuff and i've been keeping up on some of the newer series which you know have been pretty pretty great awesome um yeah, yeah a lot, lot of the stuff on those yeah that, that that is actually probably the first thing I, I can't believe i forgot to mention that that is garbage pail kids were the first carts that i got into and not oh, only yeah started the card collecting craze for me, but also probably informed so much of my sense of humor, you know, <laughs> Both out, over the top, you know, fart jokes that here I am, I'm 38 years old. And I still think those things are funny. It's sad. <laughs> so, I mean, there's some great satire in there. I mean, you know, they had the one series, they had a, a Salvatore Dali, you know, the, yeah. uh, yep. some time. They, they did, uh, parody of that i mean when you're eight years old and you're looking at that you're like what the hell is this and it kind of opened you you, look, you know do a little bit of homework on it and it's like oh wow i didn't know this thing existed and you know <laughs> i'm not saying they're like some kind of education tool or anything kids don't take that from me but uh there's some of the poems on there too some of the names also were like you know there, there was some sort of deeper reference that if you were a little bit smarter and a little bit older you'll see what they were referencing i obviously can't think of anything offhand but i know they were there. So, I have a, 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 a deep cut, and let's see if anybody else remembers this because I, I I doubt it. Does anyone remember Dinosaurs Attack? It. Was, I have the complete set. <laughs> I figured if anybody would remember this, it would be you, Rob. <laughs> yeah. 1988, and it's a power. Yeah. It, it's Mars Attacks, but they're yes. you know it's time. Somehow dinosaurs come to the modern era. It turns out, A, they're all carnivorous, and they're all horrible. They're gory. It's just like the Mars Attacks cards from the 60s, where you know you see the Martians doing all these hideous, gory things. Only this is 1988, and they're dinosaurs. And I'm eight years old, and I love dinosaurs, and I buy a pack of these, and I'm pretty sure I was scarred for life. Yeah. I still remember them to this day. Yeah. You know, speaking of uh, our beloved uh, Herb Tripp, uh, mm -hmm. IDW actually brought that license back uh, a handful of years ago. And I don't remember if it was a miniseries or if it was a one-shot, but Herb did the art for a Dinosaurs Attack comic. Oh, wow. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> yeah, I, I just Googled it, and I'm looking at these cards. It's like, I rem the, there's the ones that I absolutely and distinctly remember, and it's like, wow, my traumatic memory of this is as accurate as it it was. These are as horrifying as I remember. I'm a little more, you know, able to deal with it now, but, oh, boy, these dinosaurs are monstrous. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Rob's Rob's flipping through the set right now, but but, but Matt, give it, give us, give us a good descriptor. Give us uh, paint the picture for the audience. Uh, okay, let's go. Where did the dinosaurs with... touch you? <laughs> okay, um, we're gonna go with police precinct assaulted. It's card six. The back of each card is a newspaper headline and like a bit of an article about what's going on on the front of the card. This particular card has a Stegosaurus, which is, as we know, 
a plant-eating dinosaur in reality. However, in this card, there are two of them attacking a police precinct. One Stegosaurus is biting an officer in half while the while also hitting another one in the face with its spiked tail, you see the blood, you see the skull, and you see an eyeball flying out, while the other one is attacking a cop behind the you know reception desk, biting off one arm while he is shooting it in the neck with his other arm. So what you're saying is this is the card that 2020 needs. Yes. <laughs> Yes, there's another one that I I remembered that one. I remember card 16, Heartland Horror, with an ankylosaur eating a horse while using its big tail club to hit the farmer, uh, eviscerating him, and you see viscera, while uh, two pterodactyls steal cows. (laughs) And where's the one with the trilobites? Because that one absolutely might have given... Wow, there's a Comic-Con one. I did not see that one. And the back of it looks like a, a Bazooka Joe strip, you know, with the, the format of it. Uh, oh, there oh. it is. 39 is Trilobite Terror. It's a dude, and Trilobites are just climbing all over his head and eating him. Oh, here's one. This is total, you know, like late 80s zeitgeist. I mean, you had your gross-out humor. You know, you had your pop horror was really big and the garbage pill kits and things like that. And here you have – and also TNC Surf, like surf culture was really big. Mm-hmm. And you have card number 22, uh, 24, the perfect wave, <laughs> which is a surf I think I'm in love with card 32, Cat Lady's Revenge. Uh, it's a lady and her house is covered in cats and you see a big head of I cannot remember the name of this particular dinosaur it is a meat eater it's got a big fin on its back she's got a 12 gauge and is blowing its head off like eyeball flying out while protecting her cats this set is insane oh god who did the orphanage I don't know uh, th- th- that th- that is what Wikipedia is for. Uh, I am. I, looking I, I, that up. Part of me wants to say Drew, uh, not Drew Struzan, um, shit, Drew Friedman, but mm. I don't know. I don't know. <sighs> Actually, I think Friedman did some of these. Wow. Attended yeah. la 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 characters. The Wikipedia is letting me down on an, on artists for these cards. Mm-mm-mm. Oh wait! Uh, Herb Trimpy adapted these into pencils. These are Trimpy. That's oh, amazing. Trimpy. Yeah, Tops Veteran Pro. Oh, good lord! Listen to this, gentlemen. Top Veteran, Tops Veteran Product Developers, Art Spiegelman. Yes, that Art Spiegelman. Who did Len- GPK? Yep, yeah. Len Brown, who had designed and written Mars Attacks. And Gary Girani developed the idea for the series. Girani sketched out the 55-card storyboard and wrote the copy for the back. Herb Trimpey adopted these into pencils with some assistance from John Nemec and George Evans. Then Nemec and XNO delivered the final paintings. That's insane. Did, wow. did I just hear Art Spiegelman did Garbage Pail Kids? Yes, he was one of the co-creators of the Garbage Pail Kids. I did not know that. Wow. The more you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the Garfield kids themselves were actually a spinoff of the wacky packages. There was, mm-hmm. you know, how the wacky packages were parodies of, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, brand items. Well, I, you know, Cabbage Patch Kids was a pretty big target, so you know they came out with a Garbage Pail Kids, and they thought, oh, you know what, maybe we'll run with this, and yeah, <laughs> and, and run they did. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, we care a lot about the garbage pail kids. They never lie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, but uh, true story. <laughs> uh, true story. I got the garbage pail kids movie. Renown, huh? brutal. It's one of the oh, worst movies of all time. It's out of print <laughs> now too. So we're onto it. I got two separate copies on two separate Christmases from two separate women. Uh, the same format or same format DVD <laughs> both times didn't ask for it either time I don't know what kind of messages I'm sending to the lady I 
I wanted one of them to be a laser disc, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But uh, yeah, let's 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 wind this down. Um, this has been awesome, Scott. Uh, how can people uh, follow and support uh, everything you're doing right now? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. I'm Mojo's Work across the board. My website is also mojoswork.com. Um, We'll have news about the collection trading cards, like I said, hopefully very soon. Uh, um, I mean, it's, I don't know when this airing, but hopefully by the end of June, uh, we'll be ready to roll one way or another um, with the full sets. And then, you know, I, I also, you'll po- I'll be posting a lot of my artwork on my social sites as well. I paint, um, I do all sorts of collages where I murder comic books and repurpose them. Um, <laughs> So, you know, all, all sorts of fun stuff. I, like I said, Ice Cream Social coming July 3rd. Uh, follow Mojo's work for more information on that. And, uh, I mean, that's really it for me. I mean, I guess I can close out with saying 30 seconds, no more dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, perfect. Oh, I love that movie. <laughs> uh, well, we have had a lot of fun, but uh, that is it for this week's show. As always, you can listen to WMQ&A on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and at WMQComics.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support WMQ&A and WMQComics.com at Patreon.com slash WMQComics, like Scott does, uh, where just a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, the ability to promote your work on our site, and a customized bonus reading column written by Matt, built around the character, creator, or theme of your choice, and a $2 donation gets you a free random comic in the mail from my collection. Big thanks to our patrons, Charlie Davis from The Young Ones and Match Club Podcasts, Robert Secundus from Docs Talks at XavierFiles.com, Scott Madrinsky from Mojo'sWork.com, Carla Pacheco from Marvel's Spider-Woman series, Saren, and Lan M from Lan's Vids. You can follow WMQ Comics on Twitter and Facebook, and you can follow me on Twitter at Daniel P. Grote. And me at MattLast1013. Not a fan of social media? Sign up for our weekly Q newsletter, which gives you the best of WMQ every week in your inbox, plus sneak peeks at what's ahead and an early look at our weekly editorial. Finally, and most importantly, check out WMQComics.com for all your comics news, previews, reviews, interviews, and plain old views. And we'll see you next time. WMQA!